European Union foreign ministers are meeting in Kyiv in a show of support following signs that Western resolve may be wavering. The European Union's most senior diplomat, Joseph Borrell, has told the BBC that he is worried by the US's decision to not include new support for Ukraine from a short-term funding deal. The US Congress was forced to drop the financial aid to avert a government shutdown. The foreign ministers from all 27 member nations are in Ukraine for a historic meeting to discuss continued aid for the country. Mr Borrell was also said it was possible for Ukraine to join the bloc even if the war with Russia was still ongoing. Our Kyiv correspondent James Waterhouse has more. I think what we have seen with all of this political turmoil in the US, as you've just seen, is the first hard symptom, really, of the growing scepticism within some corners of the Republican Party. We do have foreign ministers from all 27 member states of the European Union here in Kyiv today. It's a significant meeting and it's an attempt to both unlock future funding on top of the sizable packages which have recently been announced, toppling, uh, topping more than 50 billion euros. That's not to be sniffed at, but this is also Europe trying to put on a united front where there are some cracks. There's been an election victory for a populist pro-Moscow party in Slovakia. We're seeing a, a polarizing election in Poland where the issue of support for Ukraine, as well as the refugees who have fled to Poland, is being shone uh, in under the spotlight. There really are increased levels of scrutiny from such a staunch neighbour. And of course, Ukraine has long wanted to join the European Union. We're told by senior representatives that it will be one day, but we've never heard when that might happen. I directly asked Joseph Burrell, the bloc's most senior diplomat, that question. I cannot give you a precise date, but it is historical what has happened. Ukraine being considered candidate is something that uh, I'm sure without the, the war it could have been much difficult to happen. And now it's a strong commitment from our side. The European Union has politically decided to say Ukraine belongs to our family. They will become a member as soon as the conditions are met. The EU ambassador to Ukraine has suggested 2030 could be realistic in her words. If that was to happen and Russia still occupied a fifth of Ukrainian territory, how realistic would that be? Uh, Cyprus become member of the European Union with a part of its territory being occupied. There is a war and Ukraine has to face two challenges, the war and the criteria for becoming a member. And the best, the best, the most important security commitment that we can give to Ukraine is membership. We've seen a short-term funding deal in the US which doesn't include new support for Ukraine. We've seen the election results in Slovakia. We've seen Hungary continue to try and block support where it can. Are we starting to see that Western fatigue that Ukraine is so fearful of and that Vladimir Putin is just holding out for? Yes, we see all that, but uh, allow me to say we have also seen the stronger unity of Europeans to support Ukraine. We have seen unanimity on approving I don't know how many sanctions packages. We see unity in order to support military aid. And we see unity from the beginning of the war. Everybody has been putting money and political commitments, in spite of all that. Even countries, and you mentioned one, who are reluctant to the sanctions, 
they have been voting in favor of the sanctions. I am worried by the last decision of the Congress about the Ukrainian funding, but uh, one thing is clear. For us Europeans, for us, the war of Russia against Ukraine is an existential threat, and we have to react according with that. If there is a US president elected next year on a ticket to pull out support, what would the EU do? Would you further increase your support for Ukraine to try and step up, if you like, into that void that will be created? Well, we haven't waited for uh, this possibility to propose to increase our support to Ukraine. I myself, I proposed to my colleagues of the Foreign Affairs and Defence Council and uh, European Fund for Supporting Ukraine of 20 billion euros. Uh, the President of the Commission has proposed to the Member States a civilian side 50 billion for Ukraine. This was decided much before any speculation about the future of the US politics. So yes, we want to increase our support to Ukraine. Mr. Burrell, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you to you. Political fatigue is a democratic reality for Ukraine. I think President Zelensky has always known that. Now, throughout the 18 months of this full-scale invasion, the best remedy for Kiev has typically been military progress. We saw that with the two successful swathes of liberation we saw around this time last year, where Western allies could see what their Western aid, what those billions of pounds was translating into. Now, we are talking in the midst of a very, of a, of, of a grinding counter-offensive. President Zelensky has tried to keep the politics separate from the battlefield, but that's becoming increasingly difficult. In his weekend address, he said, no one should be able to turn off our resilience and our fortitude. Basically, Ukraine, it is clear it will keep fighting with or without America and the West's help. But there is an overwhelming preference here because while Ukraine has always been doing the fighting and Ukraine alone, it is the Western help which could prove to be pivotal in Ukraine's very survival. James Waterhouse there. Well, we can speak now to Paul Knott, a former British diplomat who has spent time in Ukraine and Russia. Welcome to you. Thanks very much for being with us. How concerned do you think Ukraine should or will be by the decision by the US at the moment not to approve further funding for this war? I think it, clearly it's a concern for everybody concerned, Ukraine most of all, but and everybody that supports them. I think we shouldn't be sort of go overboard just yet. I mean, I think the the signs are the, the sort of Biden administration, actually the big majority of, of people on, on both sides in the US um, are still quite strongly behind Ukraine and they, they seem confident they, they might be able to push something through separately. So, you know, this was clearly a byproduct of a, of a sort of domestic political situation in the US, which, sure. you know, which may not lead to, to big problems in the long run. But I think obviously the long term concern is, is if the, the scepticism grows and starts to gather momentum in, in the US most of all, but all, also in Europe, because, because, you know, Ukraine needs, needs our support and we need it to succeed. So it, it would be bad news and it would be, it's of course very encouraging to, to Putin and Russia as well if um, if the support is seen to be, be fading or if it actually does. 
Yeah, well, politics, of course, really plays into it, certainly in America. A CNN poll back in August found that most Americans oppose additional funding for Ukraine. I mean, let's look at the numbers. The U.S. has already supplied $46 billion towards this war. I think President Biden has requested another $24 billion. And you might understand why a lot of Americans say, well, hang on a minute, why should we be funding this war effort? What do you think Ukraine would need to say in response to that? Um, I, th I think... It's it's important for all of us, I think, that that, that sort of see the how crucial this is that Ukraine succeeds and understands the threat that Russia poses to all of us to keep making the arguments and keep and actually improve the arguments to to reach more people. I think you know those those are big numbers, but actually in proportion to to the U.S. budget, they're they're really actually not that that massive. Um, and bearing in mind as well, a lot of the spending on arms actually gets recycled back into the U.S. economy because it's it's it goes to U.S. arms producers and the people who have those jobs. But I, I saw recently, actually, which perhaps is the kind of thing, it's a little brutal, but the U.S., a U.S. Republican group that supports Ukraine pointing out for less than 5% of the US military budget, Ukraine's basically destroyed about 50% of the the Russian army, which, you know, which is is probably one of the, the well, is the greatest threat, I think, at the, the moment of aggressive threat to to the democratic world, which, you know, which in that sense seems seems like a, a reasonable value for, for not having even to put any American or other European boots on the ground. Okay, Paul, not really interesting to get your thoughts and analysis. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Samantha.